Hey everybody, it's another episode of Impolite Company. Welcome. Today on the show, we have our guest, uh, once again, our returning guest, uh, Chairman of the Montgomery County Republican Party, Chairman Brian Crist. Brian, thanks for coming on. Oh, glad to be here. So what I wanted to get into today, right off the bat, was we have early voting starting here in a couple of... what, what? October 24th. Uh, yeah, yeah so really like cl- next really week. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, of course, November 8th is the big day. That's the day of, yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so... How are we looking here in Montgomery County in regards to uh, the Republican Party and the, you know, down ballot all the way through? Well, so there's a, that's kind of a big question, right? right? Like, so uh, do you want to drill down into specifics or like, what do you? I mean, just generally, how, how are we looking? Well, generally, I will tell you, one of the things that was really concerning to me was coming out of what happened uh, two years ago with the presidential election. Mm-hmm. I was really worried that people were going to be deflated, right? Like, well, what does my vote matter if mm-hmm. all they're going to do is you know, scheme, right? And I'm actually hearing kind of the opposite, which this is what's encouraging to mm-hmm. me. And of course it's it's anecdotal, right? Because it's not it's not science and you know all that good stuff. But people are really fired up to yeah. I think like, they'd like to vote right now, I think if they could. So right. that's super encouraging. I feel good about that. I mean the economy's in tatters. It's an absolute disaster. I mean, we're talking I think Joe Biden has surpassed Carter in his incompetence of handling uh <laughs> you know, inflation and stagflation. Uh I think that's really hurting a lot of Americans. I know it's hurting me and my family. I, I'm sure a lot of people out there feel the same. And it doesn't matter if you're, you know, poor or middle class or maybe even, you know, a little wealthier. You know, it it's hitting everybody hard. I mean, I got a big family. We we eat a lot of eggs. Eggs are up 33 mm-hmm. percent, and it's it's everywhere you turn right now. It's, you're reminded of how bad this economy is. And it, they can move the goalposts all they want, but they're not going to fool the the American people. And I think that's more than anything what's firing people up. I think you're spot on. I was just at a hamburger joint the other day, and I was paying for my checkout. And I remember this little kid, he goes, he goes Biden did that. <laughs> and I thought, wow, I turned and I said, uh, I said, ma'am, your son, I mean, he's spot on, right? Mm-hmm. And But he was actually pointing to a billboard where the restaurant had the, the prices of meat gone up, right? Yeah. And they had a sign that said Biden did that. And he was just reciting it, but it seemed very, you know, like astute, you know, for, yeah. for this little six-year-old or right. whatever, right? Um, and then uh, the other day I was talking with my son. My son's got his own bank account now and he's mm-hmm. got a job. And now all of a sudden the cost of, you know, a McDonald's, McDonald's combo meal is like 11 bucks after taxes, right? Jeez. So it's crazy. Yeah. Right. I mean, so I think you're right. I think that is driving people to the polls. I also, as a business owner, a small business owner, mm-hmm. this idea that, you know, there's going to be 87,000 new IRS agents. And, you know, obviously they, they've tried to hide it now, but the right. whole call to like, oh, they're going to wear, you know, holstered weapons and all of that. Yeah. I mean, just it's super bizarre. And so I just, not good. Yeah. <laughs> and I think people are really wanting to take back. Yeah, and the, and the polls on specifically in the house, I just am not buying it, and I don't think anyone else is either. When you're looking at like the real clear politics, uh, you know, average poll, the Republicans are up, I think, like one point three percent, you know, down to uh, I think the most recent was like point six percent or something like that. 
uh, in a generic ballot poll. But then when you go into those toss-up races and you look at the sheer number of Democratic seats that are in that column of toss-up races, it's like 30 seats they have to defend. Mm-hmm. And I just, it, it, there is no way in my mind, the Republicans are already starting off if you just grant them the uh, you know leaning GOP or s- strong GOP, we already have 220 seats right there in those two columns alone. And then all the toss-up races, the Democrats have to defend 30 seats in a toss-up. There's no way that Nancy Pelosi is going to be, I think, in charge of that gavel come January. Well, and what I'll tell you what I think will be interesting is uh, if someone at some point can kind of digest and, and make sense of what the Tulsi Gabbard thing you know, yes. has an effect, right? Mm-hmm. So you have these marginal, you know, races and you have some Democrats that maybe aren't already satisfied with the current administration. So what did her big announcement do to that, that voting block? I'd, I'd love to know. I don't think, yeah. I don't think that data exists right now, right. but I'd love to know. No, I, th- I think you're absolutely right. And I've, th- this is something I think you and I have even talked about in private, private conversations prior is, you know, we have this opportunity right now as, as Republicans to build that big tent that Reagan was mm-hmm. talking about. You mm-hmm. know, I, I always try to differentiate between liberals, which I think, Tulsi Gabbard would fall under. She's a mm-hmm. liberal, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm not going to see eye to eye on everything with a liberal. And I don't see eye to eye on everything with, you know, Congressman Gabbard mm-hmm. uh, in that regard. You know, pr- maybe, maybe I can agree with like 40%, 50%, maybe. Um, but there's a difference between a Tulsi Gabbard and an AOC. Mm, big you know? difference. Yeah. And they're the, the AOCs, they're leftists and they want to destroy everything. Mm-hmm. Whereas a liberal doesn't want to tear down everything that's, you know, America's been about uh, in previous centuries. Oh yeah. Um, and so I, I think we have this tremendous opportunity right now as a party uh, in the Republican party to build that big tent. And these people like Tulsi Gabbard are without a home politically. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm not crazy about liberals. Uh, you know, I, I, I they're going to be the minority of our party, but I don't think that we should shun them away from becoming a part of our party. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so I think the if you look at what really re- Republicans want to do is we have this echo chamber in Montgomery County. Mm-hmm. We're really, really good. I don't know if you're familiar with the nomenclature R1, R2, R3, mm-hmm. but it really is a designation given to individuals that um, it's the, basically their cadence or consistency of voting. So an R1 is, is really weak, an R3 mm-hmm. is very strong. Um, in Montgomery County, we do a really, really good job of getting our base out. I mean, you could practically never advertise mm-hmm. the election, and there's just a, a pocket of people that are going to come out and vote, period. Sure. What we have to do in Montgomery County, and, and so there's a couple things, so flip some Democrats. And I've seen this happen. I remember a conversation a couple of years ago. I was talking with a lady that lives in the neighborhood behind me, and she said, well, I used to vote Democrat, but now I'm not. And her big thing was defending the border, right? When she mm-hmm. realized the Democrats were, were weak on safety, and here Ted Cruz was talking about beefing up the border security, right? Like that flipped her. And that's really what you want to do. You want to find something that is really uh, important to these folks mm-hmm. and you want to you want to go after it. And I think the economy does that. Mm-hmm. I think the border does that. I think crime and, you know, the whole defund the police thing is mm-hmm. one of those Acme cigars that's just blown up in their face. Oh, um, yeah, look at <laughs> uh, look at what's going on up in uh, Washington state, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there there's a tight 
race oh, up there. Yeah. And that's insane. I mean, we're talking about a two point race yeah, in yeah. Washington. In State. Washington. Right. Like right. Where you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. This is insane. Nevada, I think, is going to flip in the Senate as well. Um, Arizona. I wouldn't be surprised if it went red this time. Um, I do think Dr. Oz is going to be able to fight off, uh, you know, Fetterman. Uh you know, this slob that wears a hood, like a hoodie to, <laughs> to campaign events when you're running for the U S Senate, you know, that's not the image you're lo- looking for, bro. Um, <laughs> I, th- I think we're in good shape, you know, as far as national politics, but, uh, what do you, what do you think about our local races here? So let me tell you what we're trying to do here locally. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a, a couple of things, maybe three or four things that, uh, so one is, You've got to you've got to stoke your base. I mean, they will turn up to vote, but you really want to make sure you don't leave anything on the table. Mm-hmm. And I think it's also very important that when the voters um, are going to the polls, that they have some connection with the candidates, right? Like, there's supposed to be a relationship there where you know the candidates do what we've tasked them to, and it necessarily implies you have some level of relationship with them. So, uh, this week, um, you know, the, out of my office of the chairman, we are going to be hosting a candidate. I mean, you're just right down the road from here. So yeah. we're, we're really excited about that. It'll get, especially we had the redistricting here recently. So mm-hmm. there'll be some faces that people have never been introduced to before. So we're really looking forward to that. That's at the angry elephant, the right? angry elephant. Yeah. yeah. New bar uh, pol- it said, bring your politics. It's on 1488. Uh, yeah. That's awesome. No, I'm looking forward to it. I yeah. think it's going to be really exciting. Uh, one of the things that I ran on when I ran for this spot two and a half years ago, is and I think I told you this maybe before. I it's a bit hazy I, who I've had this conversation with, but I'm an emerged guy, right? And I looked mm-hmm. at the, the demographics and I said, We've got a you know Hispanic population that we're just simply mm-hmm. overlooking. And uh, and now that we have the census numbers out, that number is right around 20% here in Montgomery County. So, you know, with 750,000 people in the county, you have a, a new, yeah. you have a really large group that you should be. Yeah, and even in my district here where I live, uh, House District 3, Cecil Bell, uh, that, that whole house district right there, that's it's 26% Hispanic. Wow, yeah. yeah so uh, it's a huge number. Yeah, I mean, as you look at the different pockets of the county, that number's going to fluctuate, but I mm-hmm. think on average lands at about 20%. Yeah. And so one of the things that I committed to was I really wanted to focus my efforts as the chairman on reaching out to the Hispanic community. They are conservative. Yes, very strong family values. Mm-hmm. Um, if you start looking at the things that Republicans stand for, they check all the boxes, mm-hmm. right? And so I've been um, working with a group that's spun up a, basically a victory pack, and we're doing just a massive amount of work uh, in terms of mail-outs, in terms of signage, to try to reach that, that demographic and bring them in. Uh, mm-hmm. They really, in a lot of ways, you know, I think it's fair to characterize them as, as part of the future of Texas. Yes. And uh, to not recognize what they bring to the table would be very, very short-sighted. So we're we're really laser-focused on that right now. Awesome. Yeah, yeah I know uh, a good friend of our show here, uh, Mariana McGuire, has mm-hmm. been working with you on that. Yep. Um, and mm-hmm. so she, she she's great. Uh, shout out to Mariana. <laughs> yeah. And if you are Hispanic and you are watching the show, check out the Hispanic Conservatives of Montgomery County. It's a club. It's a, Brian and I both serve as... Um, members of the advisory board yes, on that club. So, you know, it's a, it's a great opportunity to come out and just hear all about how, you know, Hispanic values and conservative values are really one of the same. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you want somebody that's actually going to represent 
you know, that culture and that background and those uh, virtues and values, you know, Hispanic Conservatives Club is an awesome opportunity for you to, to see that in action. Yeah, absolutely. Um, then we have um, kind of we're, we're kind of double dipping and it's a little bit you'd say, well, is it really this early? I mean, it's November 8th, so there's not a lot of runway left, but we're kind of trying to pull together one last thing right before November 8th um, out in kind of the east side of the county. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see if it takes shape. Uh, if so, I'll, I'll post it up online, but sort of double dipping in, in on this idea of like introducing people to, um, elected officials that aren't, you know, because of the redistricting and everything, mm-hmm. but also it is in, um, a, a territory of the County that is, um, you know, basically, I don't know, maybe more than 26%, like you said, Hispanic mm-hmm. community. So, uh, it, I should know the details in the next couple of days of whether that's going to come together. And so if it does, uh, it'll, I think it'll be fantastic. Yeah. Let, let us know and uh, yeah, I'll, we'll, I'll, we'll advertise it here on the show. Yeah. I'll that. definitely let you know. Um, you'll be one of the first <laughs> if it awesome. takes shape to, to let you know. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Great. Um, so how, how, how about these, I hear the rumor on the street is that we're getting new election machines. Oh yes. So this is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, uh, basically a culmination of two things and it, it couldn't come into more timely, you know, so here in Montgomery County, we're very conservative the commissioner's court has really tried to make the equipment that we've had last for a long time. So kudos to them for doing that. Um, but what it meant is that we found ourselves, you know, like you couldn't get parts for it and everything. So mm-hmm. it was, it, there came a time where you, you've got to just basically bite the bullet and you've got to, you got to replenish. Sounds your, like my 2010 MacBook Pro. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. Like, it's not cutting it anymore. Yeah, I think we yeah. can all point to some, you know, thing that we own and we're still trying to, you know, breathe new life into it. But um, so you saw, you know, obviously what happened in, you know, to your to an, the Biden, mm-hmm. you know, Trump race and people did not feeling good about their election. So uh, the new machines that we have, which people will get to use uh, starting on October 24th, mm-hmm. is uh, you, when you walk into the voting location, you're going to be handed a piece of paper. It'll be signed by the election judge. So you'll know right from the get-go the difference between an official piece of paper and something that was shouldn't be in the voting booth. Right. You'll take that piece of paper. You'll f- feed it into the machine. You'll make all of your selections digitally just like you've done before. And then... Uh, just like with your, you know, go to the grocery store, you know, you make your purchases, you get a receipt. So you'll basically get it spit back out to you and you'll get to kind of look at, hey, does does what's on this piece of paper line up with the selections I believe I made mm-hmm. on the computer? So once you're, you know, confident in that, then you'll go take that piece of paper, you'll feed it over into a reader so the reader will take it, but then it'll drop it into a secure lockbox. And what that does is it builds a chain of custody, a chain of accountability. Right. So if there's ever a question of like, well, did was there some you know funny business with the machines or whatever, um, you there should be for every machine vote there should be a, a paper vote and they should align. So either if it doesn't align, if it, you know, then that's a problem, right? Or if the paper doesn't exist, that's also a problem. So I'm really excited about that. Yeah, no, that's great. So, so the ballot itself is numbered and has a a, a code so, or something. So, yeah, so it'll you'll put it in the machine and then it'll basically spit it back out with all of your selections on it, so that you can review it. Perfect. Yeah, I think that's brilliant. Yeah, that's, I think that's it's really important. Yeah. I, I really think that we need that all across the states. But of course, well, you know. and here's something interesting. I keep fielding these questions about this. So, uh, most people don't know this, but Texas 
like the way we regulate this, mm-hmm. the machines have to meet certain requirements. Like them being air gapped is one of them, right? I don't know if maybe the term doesn't mean anything. No, but tell, tell these us. machines can't be plugged into the internet in real time. Okay. So, like what we heard about during the you know the Biden Trump deal with all these machines were hacked into and right. Mm-hmm. These machines are not of those type. We requ- make certain requirements of them. And because of the requirements that Texas imposes on these machines, we only have two vendors to choose from. Okay. And so really tight controls over over those. Okay. So yeah. these things don't have the ability to hook up to anything no. that's Wi-Fi. You, they have to have hard cables plugged into them in order to even access the internet. And so if you see a yellow cable coming out of the back of, of your machine, uh, say something. Yeah. Yeah. If you see wires that... well. They are strung together, but it, like if you perceive them somehow connected to the internet, then yeah, that would be a, <laughs> that would be a problem. That would red flag. Yeah. Red flag, okay. yeah. Very they're, good. They're not. <laughs> and, 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 and this is another thing that I think I should probably mention that goes kind of in, uh, hand in glove with this is on this on the front of election integrity. Um, the, so the way that our election cycles work, if four years ago your voting precinct carried for the governor, mm-hmm then the Texas, the, the law says that the Republican Party gets to, to install the election judge, right? So it's 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 kind of a combination between me, if you look at the, the law, me, the county clerk, and the commissioner's court. And so basically I get to put in the election judges, right? So mm-hmm. uh, I've been working very diligently. I've, I've got some great helpers. I don't have time to run through the list of names, but some great helpers that are helping me with this. Oh, you mean you're not going around all 111 well, checking it yourself? No, no. <laughs> I, I typically start with the precinct chairs, right? So yeah. you know they're Republican. So make sure they get kind of first dibs mm-hmm. on being that election judge. And then we try to fill it in with known Republicans who want to serve as election judges. So that's really great because you've got, you've got a set of eyes there that's Republican. It's like, you know, people will come to me and say, I want to be a poll watcher. So this is where the other part of it comes in. Mm-hmm. So the law says that the the election judge gets to put in the election clerks. And depending on the volume of traffic within that, we'll estimate that you need maybe as little as four or six or as high mm-hmm. as I think I've, there's one location that needs 17 or 18. Oh, wow. But so you multiply that times. So we only have one voting location in the entire county that swung Democrat. Mm-hmm. So that means you have 110 locations. And on average, you need... 10 clerks, you know, mm-hmm. so some having 17, some having fewer, right? So this monumental task of saying, well, we need a thousand clerks, right? Um, and so, like I said, it's a team effort. A lot of the election judges were recruiting their own, but I've been basically going fishing to try to find you know, election clerks. And uh, so we're at almost 900 now. Yeah. And so, if, so when people come to me, so I want to be a poll watcher. So, well, why don't you be an election clerk? Right. Because it's, just as good as being a poll watcher, except now you're getting paid to do it, right? So in Montgomery County, when you walk into the voting location, almost every eye in there is Republican. Mm-hmm. So we're, I mean, it would be very, very hard to pull something off Yeah, in there. Yeah. Perfect. So the one, let me guess, the one precinct that we don't get to choose is precinct 10? Conroe? Yeah, Conroe. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. All right. So, But I, I, I'm, I'm hoping, uh, I don't, if, if I'm going to put my my mouth here but i think the numbers aren't that far off that mm-hmm. it could be flipped yeah and so i'm hoping that because this is a that the one you're speaking of is is, is heavily uh, hispanic. hispanic yep right so i'm hoping that maybe we flip it or maybe we at least 
chip away. Chip up, chip away at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Yeah. All right. So what I'm hearing you say is Montgomery County is in really good shape uh, for this upcoming election. I believe so. Yeah. And I think that's super important too because don't don't take for granted, folks. You know, oh, Montgomery County always votes red. I don't need to go out and vote. And you absolutely do. Uh, story, for an example, 2018 when Beto was running against Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz won by two percentage points in that race. Forty percent of those two percentage points statewide came right from here, right from Montgomery County. So don't think that your vote doesn't count. It absolutely counts. Uh, so, you know, we need all you patriots out there, all you uh, conservative Republicans, make sure you go out and vote. You have two weeks of early voting and then the election itself on November 8th. I'm a purist, so I always vote on November 8th. But, you know, regardless, you have no excuse. Right? This is the bare minimum of what you can do as a citizen. It is not a right. It's also a duty. All right. And you need to look at it in that, in that vein. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, just to kind of put it another way, I tell people this kind of the same story about the, the Cruz Beto deal. If you look at the numbers, Montgomery County basically offset the early voting of Harris County. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, that, that's, that's yeah. amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So folks, your vote matters. Make sure you get out and vote this, this election cycle. So tell me the last time I had you on, we talked about our uh, Republican party bylaws and how that was sort of in question, uh, the way that things were going, there were some problems. Has uh, can you give us the audience an update on that? Was there any resolution to that? Yeah. So there was uh, there was a, a mediation um, that occurred. Uh, lost track of time. Like a week and a half, two. That's nah, longer than that, actually. Mm-hmm. Maybe three weeks ago. Okay. It, it's just all a blur. Um, it, I think it was a worthwhile exercise. Um, you know, it was, uh, basically a three party mediation. So we have basically, I think I kind of mentioned this. We have two kind of groups within the County Executive Committee. Mm-hmm. One, um, you know, uses the Freedom Caucus is the, the name that they've given themselves. And the mm-hmm. other caucus calls themselves the Independence Alliance. And of course I was there at the mediation as the chairman. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I I think we learned some things through the process. I'd like to say that um, we reached an agreement, but uh, ultimately we didn't. So, uh, but you know that hasn't deterred me. I mean, I, it's not ideal. It's certainly not ideal. But sure. At the end of the day, there's a lot of work to be done. There's a lot of folks that are willing to roll up their sleeves, and so we've just been kind of plowing forward. So what does that mean then? You guys didn't reach an agreement. So what does that look like? It looks like uh, probably it was really no different than the, than the way it was before. Okay. Right? I mean, it, you still have uh, folks that are kind of marching to their own drum mm-hmm. on certain things. And, uh, you know, it maybe maybe that'll change after the election. Maybe we'll take another. Right now, the, the election, I think, has, has really put any kind of those conversations on hold because everybody is so focused. Mm-hmm. on uh, get out the vote. You're at least working together in that regard, yes? Uh, there's, you know, it's funny. Um, the Independence Alliance and the kinds of things that I've been doing, they actually don't really overlap. Mm-hmm. So I, I would say, if anything, they were just two different directions on tackling tackling things. Okay. Yeah. So what sort of bylaws are do we have now? So we're still operating on the bylaws. So you know, the, I think we talked about last time I was on the show, there was an adjournment mm-hmm. on the 19th that effectively brought in the old bylaws. 
I mean, there have been a number of people that since I talked to you that I you know, said, you know, it, it was a reasonable adjournment. I mean, it, uh, it, it did what it, it did what I said it did, right, which was under Rule AE and enacted the old bylaws. And so, uh, like I said, we've I've continued as the chair to follow those. Um, one of the caucuses has said we were going to follow the, you know, the old bylaws from day one. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and that's really been unchanged for them as well. Okay. Yeah. Moving forward, once we get the election taken care of and everything like that, what does that mean for this biennium? Uh, what, that we have these two sort of distinct separate groups almost. Mm-hmm. Is it help help explain to the audience what that looks like? Does that mean that like, you know, you have your independence alliance and, you know, is that the Republican Party? And you have your Freedom Caucus and, or you know, is that the Republican Party? Does that, it, you know, it reminds me almost like this idea of like uh, bleeding Kansas, if you go back in history, you know, where, you, you know, you had two different distinct groups both saying that they were in charge of, of the state government at the time of Kansas. You know, the Democrats, depending on, your perspective, the Democrats won, so they're in charge. And then the Republicans said, no, we won, we're in charge. And so if you were a Republican, you thought that the Republicans were in charge and that the Democrats were a shadow government and vice versa. Is that what's going on here within the party? Well, let me be really clear. There's only one county chair. Mm -hmm. I met. I was elected by the people two and a half years ago. Um, And uh, I went unchallenged in this last primary. So I am the county chair. If you look at the Texas election code, it very clearly says what a county executive committee meeting is. It's comprised of the county chair and the precinct chairs. And so anytime, uh, so I, I don't know what, I don't know what the future looks like in terms of who's, who's willing to come to the meetings and things like that. But mm-hmm. um, I have, you know, said from the very beginning that I will faithfully preside over any meeting that is uh, properly called, and that's what I've continued to do. In fact, at the mediation, the state chairman, he asked me, said, well, where, where do you stand on this? I said, well, I stand where the rules are. Wherever the rules are, you know, take me. That's where I'll go. I'll preside over, and I'll faithfully execute all of my duties. I don't, um, I don't, um, I don't play favorites, mm-hmm. uh, so to speak. So, um, you know, I, 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 what I hope is that, um, you know, as we get past the election and we have maybe an opportunity to, you know, for folks to, you know, revisit this rift mm-hmm. that uh, we can find places to come together. I really would like for that to happen. I would really like that to happen, too, because, I mean, if you're not really into politics the way that, you know, you or I are, you know, you, you think, oh, well, they're just you know, the election's coming up and that's that's what politics is about is getting your guys in there. No, 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 no. There's still more stuff to do in, in between the elections. You know, there's all, what kind of legislative priorities are you going to be pursuing? What's mm-hmm. your strategy mm-hmm. to put pressure upon your elected officials that you just elected in order to get the things done that you want to happen in your state? You know, uh, there's so much more to it than just, you know, oh, there's an election. Okay, election's over. Now we can sit tight for two years until another primary. No, no. Um, so I don't want to leave this topic just yet. I do want to, mm-hmm. you know, so I said I don't know where this is going. And mm-hmm. the, and, and part of the reason is, you know, the mediation that we had, uh, it was it was four hours, right? So I don't, 
folks know what mediation looks like, but we were divvied up into different rooms. And the, the state chairman, Rinaldi, would go back and forth between the rooms. And mm-hmm. he, I, I think his goal was to look for, you know, commonalities and things that could be agreed upon. Sure. And at the end of the four hours, the uh, the Independence Alliance put together a proposal that was uh, sent over to the Freedom Caucus. Um, and, uh, you know, when Rinaldi came back over uh, to the to the room with the Independence Alliance, they only had two rooms, so I was stationed with them. But um, it, it was it was uh, it was it was done right. There was uh, no acceptance of the offer, no counter proposal, no offer from the Freedom Caucus back to the Independence. So zero Alliance. compromise. I wouldn't say zero compromise. I think there was about. Um, I mean, you're, you're still a ways off. There was about 11 or 12 things mm-hmm. that were put together. So the Independence Alliance came up with this, you know, kind of deal that said, hey, like, if we do these things, then, um, you know, we we go forward. I think we we're about four or five on that list that we understood uh, coming back from Rinaldi that were non-negotiables, deal breakers. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that means that, you know, eight other items were agreeable. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, but not to, I mean, the other, the four items were, were pretty big items. So, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to sugarcoat it, but you know, my hope is that maybe, you know, another run, something like this, you know, I, I'm offering to do that, right? Like I said, you know, Hey, um, you know, I think you've had, you know, Steve Toth on the show before and sure. said, Hey, look, Steve, you know, I, I'd be happy to sit down with some folks if you want to maybe foster a conversation or something like that. So we'll see where that goes. Hopefully, hopefully that happens. Yeah, I'm hopeful too, because like I said, I think, uh, I mean, so I had you on and then I had Mr. Boucher on, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and something that I'm going to paraphrase, you know, at the end of Mr. Boucher's show where he was on, you know, I said, we, we have to, I, I don't have a problem, you know, fighting like cats and dogs during the primary, for example. I mean, that's most appropriate. I think you should be fighting like cats and dogs you know, during the primary to get the person elected, for example, you know, who you think is best going to represent your, your interests. Right. So I'd expect that out of a primary. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, you're, you're talking about during primaries, you're electing precinct chairs, you're electing, uh, in your position, you sometimes, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh, and you, you've had primary challenges as well. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's important part of the entire process. That's the appropriate time to be fighting over all that stuff. You know, when we went to the state convention, you know, you, you have resolutions that sometimes go your way, resolutions that you would rather, you know, not see um, mm-hmm. pass. And that and that happens. That's, that's part of politics. You know, after those points, though, I think, you know, once the summer's about halfway over and the... You know, you're sitting down and you're trying to pass these bylaws and you're trying to get everything organized. Like, that's when we have to come together. And we have to come together because we have to stop socialism. You know, I'm Mm -hmm. not worried about the liberals out there. I'm not worried about Tulsi Gabbard, Mm -hmm. all right? I'm worried about AOC. I'm worried Mm -hmm. about Bernie Sanders. I'm worried about Chuck Schumer and uh, Nancy Pelosi and, and Joe Biden. Mm-hmm. And what they're trying to do to this country, and if we don't put up a united front against that, 
then we're going to be in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I think you and I have talked about this. There's a, this, there's this lost art um, that I'm hoping can find its way back into the political arena. I've seen some of it recently, so it gives me a little bit of encouragement, but it used to be a time, um, you know, so we had a constable by the name of David Hill Mm -hmm. uh, for many, many years and a sheriff named Tommy Gage. Well, at one point in time, they ran against each other, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And and what you would, you would, you would know that they ran against each other. um, If you know, you know, talk to them today. I mean, they, they're, they're great friends, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And it's same thing with, um, I think it was uh, Robert Walker and uh, Commissioner Walker and uh, uh, Justice of the Peace, Wayne Mack. Mm -hmm. They ran against each other at one point in time and they're great friends, right? So you've got to really be able to like separate the adversarial process of the primary and then realize, Hey, let's, let's come back together. We don't, we don't have to be, have to be adversarial. And I've actually seen in some races um, where that happened, right? Like after the primary was over um, the candidates went obviously one, one and the other didn't, but they have a great rapport with each other. Mm-hmm. And, and so I want to see, I, I hope that can make a resurgence. I think it will make a tremendous difference. Yeah. Unfortunately it just continues. And I'm going to put my historian hat on here. It looks, it just looks like constantly the election of 1800, you know, Jefferson and Adams, they, those guys hated each other during that time. And it was so ridiculous because, you know, here, those two more than anybody else were single-handedly responsible for the Declaration of Independence, you know, and then they they go against each other in uh, the election of 1796, and then again in the 1800, and they were just bitter rivals and enemies for many, many years, and then at the end of their life, God bless them, they, they came back together. In fact, I think it was John Adams' dying words, uh, on of all days, July 4th, 1826, he said, thank God Thomas Jefferson still lives. What he didn't know is Jefferson had passed a couple hours uh, before him on oh, the same wow. date, the, I, on the 50th anniversary of the signing of the Declaration of Independence. I, I never really yeah. had a passion for history, but every time I talk to you, I learn something new, and it's, <laughs> I don't yeah. know, I like it now. <laughs> Good. Well, you know, I, th- I think a lot of people are, are in that shape, you know, uh, history something that was taught by your football coach in high school and you're yeah. like you know that guy did not get into teaching to teach history he got into teaching so that he could play football so yeah <laughs> right right yeah you know <laughs> so it that 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 plays a factor but um well i'm i'm hopeful that to that just like you that we can sort of put a an end to all of this sort of infighting and come together and you know like I said before, I have friends on both sides of these issues. I have friends in the Independence Alliance. I have friends in the Freedom Caucus. And I don't seem to have a problem maintaining that friendship with, with these, you know, disparate groups of individuals. Sure, yeah. And, you know, knowing the majority of the people in both on both sides of these issues, they want what's best for our county, for our state, for our nation. You know, these are all patriotic people. They're conservative Republicans. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. we should be getting along and getting stuff done. And that's my hope and prayer, too. Yeah. And I think you've done a pretty good job, from my perspective, on trying to stay above the fray and, and you know, remain, like you said, diligent in your duties to 
hold a meeting wherever, you know, one is present. And so I want to commend you on, you know, that I'm sure it takes a lot of patience. And so, you know, yeah, thank you. I think one of the most challenging things is that, um, <laughs> I, I really don't like what was the expression that you and I were talking about before it was like some you know, mud. Uh, oh, don't, don't sling mud. Don't sli- yeah. Don't yeah. sling mud because let me see if I can get this right. Don't sling mud because it gets your hands dirty. Two things happen. Yeah. Get your hands dirty. And you lose some ground. You lose a lot of ground. You lose a lot of ground. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, so I don't generally <laughs> like to have negative conversations. Mm-hmm. At the same time, it's really hard. I, I have folks that are saying, well, what's going on, right? At the end of the day, it's not It's not pretty. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it, it's, it's, so it's, it's tough, right? Like, I, I want to share with folks what's going on, but at the same time, I don't want to, I'm, I'm really interested in figuring out how, how, you know, we move forward regardless of what the thing is that needs to get done, mm-hmm. you know? So. Awesome. Yeah. Well, is there any other advice or any other things you want to say to the, to the voting crowd out there before we get going? Yeah, please, please, please vote. Right. I mean, I know some people think, well, like you said, you want to vote on the day of, mm-hmm. that's great. If you, if you decide that's what you want to do, just be committed to doing it. Right. Like yes. don't, don't put it off and then realize you can't do it for some reason. Um, that day I, that's kind of in in the business world. Like as soon as something's handed to me, I just go ahead and tackle it. Even if I've got two weeks to get it done, just because you never know what life's going to hand you. Mm -hmm. The other thing I would say is drag some friends. If if you have friends, uh, this is a big one. I'm hearing this and I want to, I want to like, I want to say something about it right now. I am hearing of some folks that want to take this never Trumper mentality Mm -hmm. and apply it to certain races like governor Abbott, for example. Yeah. Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. I will tell you right now, I have zero tolerance for that. Zero. Because um, while it's not technically a vote for Beto to, to not vote for Abbott, mm-hmm. if you think about how, how it works, you've got, it's basically like if you calculate the difference between uh, two races. So, so they, okay, okay, there was 500, you know, the 500 vote difference. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, that's only a 250 person difference right yes so when you so when you flip right you're actually closing the gap you know on both sides of the equation so so staying saying i'm gonna it's called undervoting right if Mm -hmm. i undervote greg abbott i'm still putting a plus one in the beto column it's not a plus two for greg but it's a plus you know it's a plus one or it's or even worse if i voted for beto right it would be a plus two for beto right do not do that do not say you know, I don't like X, Y, Z. I don't like how he handled this situation or that situation. Mm-hmm. Just remember what Lena Hidalgo looks like down in Harris County. Yep. And then think that Beta will be that exact same thing except statewide. It will be absolutely horrible. Don't wake up the next morning and go, I should have, but I didn't. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to definitely vote for Greg Abbott. I did not in the primary, but that's my business. Sure. Right? sure. You know, and... That, that that is when okay that's your opportunity to say all right yeah. no this is a guy I don't want, I'm not going to support him once he's the nominee Greg Abbott's the nominee I got a choice between Greg Abbott and Beto ask yourself this question is uh, Greg Abbott going to come after your AR15 or your AK47 no is Beto hell yes he that's is right. he said so in his own words yep so I mean that should be that right there mm-hmm. so. yeah absolutely. So yeah, that would be my final parting words. Absolutely do not undervote any Republican. 
Mm-hmm. Every single one of them punch that checkbox. Amen. Yeah. All right. Well, Mr. Christ, I thank you for coming on the show once again. And, you know, I hope that Montgomery County is going to continue to be red. I'm sure it will be. I'd like to see it become even more red uh, in this election cycle. And I think that we're going to have a pretty huge wave nationwide. And I would expect Montgomery County to, you know, replicate that here uh, in our local level. So, and that's largely due to a lot of the work that you guys do over there in the Montgomery County Republican Party, whether you're a member of the Independence Alliance or the Freedom Caucus, everybody is coming together and, and making this happen. So you guys are doing a great job. So keep it up. Thank you. And I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, you're welcome anytime. All right, guys, that's going to wrap us up here for another episode of Impolite Company. Stay tuned uh, next time. Uh, we'll have another great guest or, you know, me railing on about the, the left and how loony they are. Thanks again for watching and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Impolite Company, presented by The Doc Line. If you like what you heard, be sure to rate our podcast and leave a five-star review for us.